This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. How many have gotten something out of this series, Overcoming Temptation? Has the Lord spoken to you? And we're going to conclude it this series today. But, you know, we need to talk about sin and temptation because it's out there. And Christians can live a defeated life just like an unbeliever. I mean, know some Christians are defeated. Don't lift your hand up at you. No. But we're to live an abundant life. We're to live a life above sin. In fact, the Bible says sin shall not have power over us. So how do we do that? And that's what we've been looking at. And I believe... Um, there's probably been about five people that have come to me with something they've had for years that's been a hidden thing in their life, and I believe that that's a breakthrough and things will never be the same. Because once we see that it's not on our strength, it's on his strength. We get discouraged when we try and do it in our own strength. And it is a process, and you get stronger and stronger that you can defeat anything in your life. You can defeat that anger. You can defeat those things that rise up in your life. And God wants us to be victorious. So we've got to overcome and know how to overcome because God is interested in our character. He's interested in your heart. He wants you to be a person that keeps His Word. He wants us to be a person that has His values, that, that walks in His love, that, a person of peace, a person of integrity. He wants our light to shine. He wants us to be salt. He wants us to make Jesus attractive to the world. And if you're yielding to temptation, if you're living in sin, it will contaminate your life. It will cause your witness to be almost not there. Do you know He will use your witness? But those people that know you're in that sin... You lose your witness. You lose your voice. I know there's been preachers that God's mightily used to minister to people, yet at the same time they were in sin and God was being merciful, working on their heart. But there came a time where the wages of sin came and payday came. And we've seen that the wages of sin is death, but that's for the believer or unbeliever, for both. The wages of sin is death for the believer or unbeliever. We sing that God hates sin. And many times we thought, well, God hates me. <laughs> no, he hates sin. Why does he hate sin? Because he loves people. He hates sin because of what sin does to people. He doesn't want to see you hurt. He doesn't want to see you in pain. Just like you don't want to see your children hurt or in pain. He doesn't want sin to... Uh, bring death into your life because something will die. There is a wage. It's called the work, the, the wages of sin. There's called the works of the flesh. And works have wages. They have a payday to it. And it's fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh. Sin in our lives will bring about death in some area of your life. might be death to your marriage, death to your business. In some place, death will take place. So we, 
we want to be those that don't just have to lean on the mercy of God, but we can lean on the grace of God. Mercy is when you've already done it, you've already sunburned and didn't put on any suntan lotion. You need mercy. But it's much better to get the suntan lotion and get the grace before you go out there. Amen? Or oh me. God doesn't want to see your life destroyed, your family destroyed. Sin is destructive and painful. Sin is destructive and painful. And we need a, a revelation of that because it's so easy for us to fall into the culture of this world. How many have heard this saying? And it's a, a saying you hear in the world, but this is so much fun, it must be sin. Anybody heard that? Yeah. Why? You look at the media, look, you look at the world, you look at the, the mo- most of the movies, TV, they're all speaking that sin is fun. And look, you're missing out on some fun because you're this Christian and you're missing out. But Jesus said, the Word says that you are missing out on death. You're missing out on pain and destruction. And you're experiencing life. The Bible says that sin has pleasure for a moment. But the pleasures of God are forevermore. After that moment's over, there's pain and there's destruction. So we need to get God's... If we'll look at things the way God sees it and get that revelation, a lot of people overcome temptation and sin because they realize that is painful, and that is destructive, destruction in their life. In Titus 2.11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. One thing I hear when you, you preach a grace message is, well, since I'm under grace... I can do anything I want, right? And they don't say it exactly like that, but that's really what they mean. And my question is, is Jesus Lord? Is He your Lord? If He's your Lord, you want to follow Him. You want to do what He says. You want to please Him. You want to walk in a manner that brings honor to His name. You want to represent Him well. So that means there should be a place in us that wants to live godly. But this this verse says that grace actually compels us to live a godly life. If you're walking in the grace of God, there will be a compelling, uh, this driving you to want to live righteously, to walk in in peace and love with others. There's this thing inside of you that wants to please Father. And when I look at my life and I see after I was saved the, the radical change and what he did for me, all I want to do is serve him. All I want to do is, is please him. And I, I believe when we look in, at the cross, that that's, that's our, our place of reference, that we should want to please him and live a life that is fitting for that sacrifice. I'm not saying we'll walk perfect. We won't. But there should be something in us moving towards that. 
So it says that the grace of God that brings salvation spared to all men, teaching us, this is what grace teaches, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In Galatians 5.13 it says, For ye, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. See, we're free in Christ. We have liberty, but we are not free from the consequences of sin. It still pays death. And we can't participate and flow in sin and expect a different paycheck. It's not coming. It's going to be the same paycheck. Death. And some place will die in your life. But cause of grace, I can choose not to engage in sin. Grace is not an excuse, but an empowerment. Ability of God to live above sin. And our theme for this series has been James 1.13. Let no man say when he is tested... I am tested by God, for it's not possible for God to be tested by evil, and he himself puts no man to such a test. But every man is tested when he is turned out of the right way by the attraction of his desire. Then when its, its time comes, the uh, desire gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is of full growth, gives birth to death. So we see here Satan's not the author of our trials. God's the author of our faith. This, these tests and trials are coming to distill our faith, to steal our joy, to steal our peace, to get us involved in sin, to bring pain and destruction to our life, to put the light out, to stop the salt, to stop your influence, to stop spreading this gospel, to stop the family of God from growing. The enemy comes with temptations and tests. And the desire that we have within us is a good desire. We desire things, but we, when we get outside of the principles and the boundaries of God's Word, that's when it becomes sin. God placed the desire uh, for sex in people. But He said, do it in the boundaries of marriage. But when you look at the media, TV, movies, or whatever, most of it, is saying, why get married? You're missing out. You're missing out on all this fun. But God's word's still true. He said it's painful. It's destructive. It will bring death into your life. And we don't want death. So we want the desires, but we want God to provide the answer to those desires. We want Him to be the one that satisfies with his life. God expects us to repent. Repent means to have a change of mind. It also means to do about face. I mean, you're walking along, you do about face. You turn and go the other way. You turn from the sin and turn to God. You go his way. You change direction. That's what repentance is about. God looks for your will. He must have your will involved. You know, he won't force something on you. He waits for you to decide and to choose Him. He's waiting. He won't change your mind for you. 
You have to make a decision. You have to change your mind. You have to lay down the direction you're going and say, I choose this way. Now, you still can't walk it out in your own power. Your willpower wasn't doing anything for you before, and it's still not. It's just when you humble yourself and you choose His way, that's where the grace comes because He gives grace to the humble. So I lay down my opinion, my belief, my way, and I choose His way. And I believe for His grace, His ability, His strength to flow in my life, that grace. The Bible teaches us don't yield to sin, but see, we, it says to yield to God, but you've got to believe you can yield to God before you'll make that decision. You can decide to yield to God. You can make that choice. And God will back it up and come with grace and help you. The Bible says goodness, the goodness of God leads to repentance. Godly sorrow produces repentance. Then we got 1 John 1, 9 says that He is faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When you sin, you go confess it and get forgiveness. And He cleanses you of all unrighteousness. Where's that unrighteousness? In your mind, your soul. Say soul. Why is it in your soul? Because if it's in your spirit and it becomes unrighteous, you lost your salvation. Because we are spirit, soul, and body. So when you sin, it's in the soul realm, the mind, the will, the emotions. And you need cleansing for that. How many have ever need the emotional cleansing that comes from repentance and that cleansing of the soul? We all have. It's a weight. It's a heaviness. And once we get that taken care of, there's, there's peace. But it's not of the Spirit, because if it's of the Spirit, you lost your salvation. And He's not going to be crucified again. So we need to have that clear. When a Christian sins, it's, it's of the soul. That, that will, act of the will, that mind, the emotions. So we need that cleansing. We need that forgiveness. Where does something die? It doesn't die in your spirit because your spirit's been declared holy, blameless, righteous. It's where the Holy Spirit is. It bears stay righteous or the Holy Spirit can't stay there. So where does death take place? In your soul. In your soul. Something dies in your soul. And that affects everything else around us. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, reasonings, imaginations, philosophies, every high thing, an idol, a graven image in our mind that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Any thought not taken captive will capture you. You cannot allow your thoughts to go wild. No renegade thoughts. You are to take every thought, capture it, and take it to the cross. Take it to the Word. And does this line up with the Word? Because He is, we saw the Father of lies, He is the master manipulator. And He will tell you you're not even a Christian. 
That's the reason I got saved every week at church because he told me all week I wasn't a Christian because I messed up. So I'd go back and get saved again until they told me, stop coming. No. <laughs> until I finally got it. I, I had confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I am saved. I'm just having problems living it. But there was God's grace and God's help, and it's a process. He'll strengthen you, and you get stronger. You go from glory to glory. But it's, it, the battle is in the thoughts. What if we yielded our thoughts to the Lord and made Jesus the Lord of our thoughts? Jesus took sin beyond just the behavior into the thought life. He said, if you think it, it's sin. So he said to cast down those thoughts. And you can't cast them down by thinking on them. You replace them. Replace them with another thought. If you keep on that thing, I'm not going to eat any more donuts. Big chocolate hot donut. No, stop thinking about hot chocolate donut. No, stop. Purple dog. Stop thinking about a purple dog. Stop it. <laughs> you have to replace it. And that's what we're to do. Replace it with the truth. Replace it with God's Word. Replace it with what agrees with Him. I must see myself as God sees me. I talked about that we have to repent or make a decision, a quality decision, not an emotional thing, a decision that this is it, I'm going God's way. Even if I still am engaged in this thing, I'm declaring it doesn't have victory over me because of Jesus' obedience at the cross. I'm declaring that even in the midst, it's not me. I belong to Jesus, declaring those things. You still have to do more. That's what the Lord really spoke to me during this week, that there's uh, another step. And I've touched on that. I said you labor to enter its rest. But you've got to renew your mind, and you've got to put the beliefs in you. You've got to take the time to read the Word, study the Word, meditate on it, speak the Word. You've got to take the time to hear the voice of God over all the other voices. You've got to. And get your heart fully persuaded because when you get that heart fully persuaded, rest is coming. That thing's defeated. You have then brought that thing from the spiritual world into the natural and church. So we got to persuade ourselves. He's given us the information to do it. But I want to go back and look at what we started this series with. We saw that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted where we're not led by God to be tempted. But there is a tempter. And Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, tempted by the enemy. But then after 40 days, the Holy Spirit highlights three temptations that I believe speak to us of the temptations that we will face. And how did Jesus defeat the tempter? Now here's one thing to consider. And maybe you haven't thought about this. When Jesus faced Satan... In those temptations, Satan was not a defeated foe at that time. 
He was still operating in the authority that Adam had given him. It was not after the cross. The cross had not happened. So he was not stripped of his power yet. He was not brought to zero or naught, as the Scripture says. There had not been that triumphal parade where he had been totally dominated and the victory was Jesus's. Jesus defeated him when we could say Satan was at his full power. But now we're on the other side of the cross. We're not going to a victory. We're coming from a victory. And he has been totally defeated. And he's a zero. Now even I, I think I can defeat a zero. Can we defeat a defeated foe? Can we defeat someone that's been brought to nothing? Well, surely the Lord, <laughs> to God we can. He's given us the victory. We can do this. And it's after the cross. He's been stripped of all his power. What's the battle? Us believing that. We got to believe that. And we got to be, get fully persuaded of that truth. We have a lot of people going around fighting the devil and he's defeated. They spend their whole life. Oh, the devil did this, the devil did this, the devil did this, the devil did this. No enjoyment, no, no victory because all the time they're, they're fighting the devil. Well, maybe you should labor to get your belief system right where you can rest. Because he's been totally defeated. We just have to believe it. So what did Jesus do? Matthew 4, verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, enemy always comes against your identity, who you are, commanded that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written. Say, It is written. Jesus is saying this. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written. And when you look this up, you see that Jesus said this a lot. Paul said this a lot. You remember the seven sons of Sceviour? They came against the demon. They were going to cast this thing out. The demon said, look, Jesus I know, Paul I know. Who are you? And they, they streaked through the village. They got, they got stripped. Jesus knew the word. He said, it is written. Now, if Jesus defeated Satan at his full power with the word, what can we do against a defeated foe that's a zero with the word? We should be able to ride in some high places. We can live with the God advantage and live the abundant life and be more than a conqueror. Your enthusiasm is underwhelming. <laughs> I know you're listening. I know you're listening. I was playing. <laughs> so here was a temptation that it's common to man's provision. You know, to whom do you look to meet your needs? You've got to trust God to provide. How do we know this? Matthew 6, 33. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul said he knew how to have much and have little. But he said, I know this. No matter what state I'm in, my God will meet my need. And many times we're wondering where our needs are, but notice there's no S here. He said he will meet your need. The question most of the time is, what is my need? What is my need? How do I trust God? It is written. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. See, grace has to be received, and it's received by faith. Faith is in the Word. You, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We've got to read the Word, study the Word, meditate on the Word, confess the Word, listen to the Word. We've got to get the Word in us to persuade our heart, our belief system. Because the where, where you're at now is because of your belief system. Any pain in your life is because of sin or some simple behavior. So we got we got feed, we got to get fully persuaded. Then when the enemy comes, you say, "Hey, it is written. It is written." In verse 5 it says, "Then the devil took him into the holy city, same on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, "If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up." lest you dash your foot against the stone. Here's Satan saying, it is written. Have you ever heard the enemy say, it is written? That's what he was doing to me when I first got saved during the week. (laughs) Verses like, be holy as he is holy. I mean, all kinds of things. Coming, uh, uh, attacking. (laughs) It it was like the the word was coming and just jabbing me because it was the voice of the enemy and saying, you're not saved. Yet, I had confessed him as Lord from my heart. That's the reason I felt bad about those things. Didn't feel bad about them until I accepted him. They were just fine before. But here's Satan. And when you look and see what he quoted, he quoted Psalms 91. He quoted from Psalms 91 the great protection psalm. It's a great one to memorize. Had our boys, Robin and, and Joshua, memorize it. And, you know, how did you do that? Paid them off. Say so it pays to learn scriptures. Paid them off. Why? It's good for them. Maybe you need to pay somebody off in your family. Just a thought. And here's Satan quoting the Bible. Deception with verses to back it up. There was a couple that I worked with, they were, they were friends, and one of them worked in my department, and he, uh, he had an affair, that's what he was doing, and this, they were both married. They came to me with a Bible and with a verse, and they wanted me to read this verse and confirm their affair. They wanted the blessing of the Lord on it, <laughs> they didn't say exactly like that, but they thought they had scripture precedence for this. I read the scripture, and I told them, this, we're interpreting this wrong. This can't be what this looks like it says. Give me some time, because I knew other scriptures, knew the character of God. There's 
you know, it's obvious this is not right. But when I read that verse by itself, it looked like it was true. I don't know how much time they took. They had to study and <laughs> go through the Bible to find this verse. But I, I'm telling you, that verse looked like they were just fine. So, sure enough, took some time and, and read it and took the context and everything, got them and said, it says the exact opposite. <laughs> and shared what, what it said, and they were, oh, they were upset and all this. But the good news is they stopped, they saved their marriages, and God got glorified. What was shocking to me when I found that one of them was a teacher in church. But see, the enemy can prove just about anything, or you can take the Bible and prove about anything you want. I can prove that Moses played tennis. Because the scripture says that he refused to serve in the courts of Pharaoh. I mean, it's there. Y'all like that better in the first service there. I don't know. Guess y'all are tanked up on some coffee. Okay. But it, it's true. You can prove just about anything. How did Jesus know the word? Hebrews 5.8. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. I want you to know Jesus became human. He learned to walk. He learned to talk. He learned how to build things out of wood. How did he learn Scripture? He read Scripture. He studied Scripture. He had a prayer life. He had a relationship. He communicated with God. In, in Luke 2.40, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. He grew. You remember when he, was, he lost his parents, or his parents lost him? He was in the temple. It says that he was listening and asking questions. I've heard people say that he was teaching there. He wasn't teaching. It says he was listening and asking questions. Jesus listened to Bible teachers and asked questions. Now just maybe, if Jesus had to study scriptures, maybe I need to spend some time in the Bible. Maybe I should make it a priority. Maybe I need to be able to say to some temptations and some things it is written. It is written. And let the power of that word flow in my life where I can overcome that thing. How do we know God will protect us? Let me... Uh, Do I not have that verse? Yeah. Let me read this, verse 7. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus came, even though he had quoted Scripture, he came with Scripture back. you got to know the Bible better than the enemy. Know the Word. Quote the Word back. Back to him. But you know, we as parents, we want to protect our children. I mean, though, there's times you can't be there. But there's one who can be there and is there at all times. And you can release your faith to protect your children, to be there for them. I have some great examples, but I'm not going to share them another time. 
In verse 8 it says, Again the devil took him on seating high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for he is written. For he is written. Here it comes again. He's saying you can have all of this. You can have power. How did Jesus know that there was power from God? Because it is written. Because he had studied the scriptures. He had prayed. He had spent time with God. He knew power came from there. I, know, I love this in John 19.10. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it's been given you from above. Uh, you think you something, Pilate. Listen, you got no power unless it comes from heaven. <laughs> Where's power come from? It comes from God. How do we know this? It is written. The bottom line is, if you're a Christian, you need to be feeding on life, and the Word is life. You need to get hungry for His Word. You need to feast and feed on His Word. And you'll find your heart persuaded. And you'll find when you're in situations that scriptures will come up to you. What's that? That's your heart speaking to you. Truth. And you speak it out. And that temptation, that sin can be defeated. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't compare to God. It doesn't line up or compare to His power in your life. That's power heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you that you have called us to live a life where we're not yielding to temptation, Lord. And Lord, we recognize it's a process, but we need to be in on this process, getting our, our life, living our life in a way that pleases you. That we can be that influence. We can be that light and salt to a dying world. A world that's perverse. And God, that we can be those Christians that are not experiencing death and living like mere men or unbelievers. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is written it is written. Father, help us to make wise decisions and help us to have that discipline to put your word into our lives. If today, no one looking around and you never received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to accept him. Maybe you've done this before and you know you're not connected you need to get that relationship. You need to get connected again. You can get in on this prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come down. I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. If that's you, just lift up your hand. And we'll pray. And we'll believe God. Thank you, Lord. Yes, you just pray with us. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Let's pray together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. I believe he died for me. He went to a cross and took my sins. 
I believe he was raised from the dead. I believe this in my heart, and I say it with my mouth. Jesus, you are my Lord, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God thanks. Thanks. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.